0: Giants, two periods of time, two lives well lived for one mission the Great Commission. One was born late in the 19th century, the other lived to see the 21st century. Both lived lives of service and prayer, both embodied sacrificial giving for the sake of the gospel. Dr. Martha Myers gave her life in pursuit of bringing Christ to the country of Yemen. Dr. Martha, as she was known, grew up in an Alabama Baptist church where she heard the gospel and learned about our role in the Great Commission. Her participation in the life of the church, such as in Sunday school and missions organizations, helped provide a strong foundation for missions and ministry. She always had a tender heart for the less fortunate. Dr. Martha spent more than 25 years in a land she grew to consider the home of her heart. Though her medical practice was based in the city of Jibla, Dr. Martha spent countless hours walking tirelessly village to village where her Land Rover couldn't go. Dr. Martha Myers, as the Great Commission literally lived out on two feet. She personified sacrificial giving. That is, she took the Gospel and her ministry to the people who were underserved and unreached. And in that way, she is a sterling example of what it means to give sacrificially for the cause of Christ. Dr. Martha's sacrificial heart follows the footsteps of another Alabama Baptist who was wholeheartedly sold out to the Lord and His Great Commission. Ms. Kathleen Mallory was also called to missions. She did not live out that calling on foreign soil, rather through Women's Missionary Union. Under her leadership in both state and national WMU, missions education grew exponentially. Born in 1879, Kathleen grew up in Selma, Alabama. She was known for her deep devotion to prayer and sacrificial giving for the cause of Christ and endeared herself to Alabama Baptists all over the state. She lived a humble, frugal lifestyle, raising awareness, support, and prayer for Southern Baptist missionaries all over the world.
1: Kathleen Mallory's legacy is one of sacrificial giving, and she had an intense devotion to prayer, a legacy that honestly inspires Alabama Baptists decades later. How wonderful it would be if we all lived as selflessly as she
2: did.
0: Kathleen Mallory represents a host of Alabama Baptists who set the stage for Dr. Martha Myers and others like her to do international missions in an unsafe, insecure world. That legacy of sacrificial giving inspired Dr. Martha to go and serve in a hostile area, but eventually resulted in her own tragic death. In 2002, a member of Al-Qaeda burst into the hospital in Jibla and killed her and two other missionaries. She knew the dangers of her ministry setting and gave her life willingly for the cause of Christ. Both of these ladies personify the Great Commission, (coughs) the heartbeat of Alabama Baptists. What better way to honor their memory than to use their example as an inspiration for others to live devotedly? pray intentionally, and give sacrificially through the Myers-Mallory State Missions Offering that supports Great Commission Ministries here in Alabama and around the world. Two spiritual giants, two periods of time. Two lives well lived for one mission, the Great Commission.
3: Amen. Welcome to First Baptist this morning. Those who are uh, attending online, welcome. Good to see you guys this morning. Let's stand and go to the Lord in prayer as we stand. Father God, thank you, Lord, for these uh, incredible sisters who just served you with their whole heart. And God, you've called us all to love you and serve you with our whole heart. God, as we come then this morning... Father, no telling uh, what all situations, circumstances are around each person that's here. But God, may we lay those things aside (laughs) and focus on you. Lord, we just want to worship you this morning. We want to celebrate you this morning. Lord, we want to hear a word from you this morning. And we thank you for the word that you're sending through Pastor Eddie this morning. God, just bless him. Lord, we love him and his family. Thank you for him. I'll just please bless this time. Lord, please save anyone that's lost in here today. Lord, you said you came uh, not to condemn us, but to save that which was lost. And everybody in here at some point, Lord, we were lost. And God, you came and saved us. Lord, may salvation abound in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.
4: God. This is for the lost and lonely, for the broken and afraid. This is for those who are hurting, good news. Hope and help is on the way In this battle of addiction when fear is chasing after me Whatever trouble I am facing I will lift my hands and
1: say Come on! I believe it, miracle power So hard being human. So much struggle, so much pain.
3: Yes, there
4: is. When I start singing, hallelujah.
1: I say goodbye to every child.
3: God. You call on Jesus. You call on Him for salvation, and then some people stop talking to Him after that. <laughs> no, don't call on Him to save you and just think you have fire insurance and you don't want to live for Him. So let's talk to Him. Let's call on Him. And then, two, if you call and talk to Him on a regular basis, of course, he knows who you are regardless, but then, uh, then when you're calling on him in the midnight hour, <laughs> he's used to hearing from you. <laughs> worship him when the sun is shining, worship him when things are going well, so that you can dig deep and worship him and raise a hallelujah in the midst of your enemies. Raise a hallelujah in the midst of trials and tribulations. Raise a hallelujah, and James talks about, I count it all joy. Count it all joy. Let's raise a hallelujah here this morning, amen.
4: I raise a hallelujah in the prayer. I raise a hallelujah Sing it church Louder than the unbelief I raise a hallelujah death
3: is defeated the king is alive amen and he is worthy to be praised thank you for worshiping this morning i'm going to ask you to be seated at this time so chris has got a, a song she's going to lead us in and uh toward the end of that if you want to stand and sing on that chorus as you get uh acclimated to the song you're welcome to do that but just uh let these words really soak in the blood that Jesus shed and You may have something you want to share sister I don't want to step in front of you I was thinking about precious commodities you know silver and, and gold and those kind of things and diamonds and how, how rare they are how expensive they are but the most rare and most precious commodity throughout all time was the precious blood that Jesus shed on that cross it was a tangible element that was created by the Father through the virgin birth with Mary but that blood was so precious that when we call upon the name of Jesus then every sin I've had and committed in my life was wiped away Not just put over to the side, but I mean was completely removed. And if you're lost this morning, you call upon the name of Jesus. There is so much power in the blood of Jesus that it can give you a brand new start. Give you a a slate wiped completely clean. Amen.
1: They tried to hide this precious blood that gave me life. <laughs> but in three days he breathed the again oh, praise you, and rose to stand in my defense. So, To tell you he's alive, to tell you that he dries every tear that falls. So I come to tell you that he saves, to shout and to proclaim. Heals the (laughs) sin, the lonely. back
3: Praise you, God. Give me praise.
4: He is returning. <laughs> it could be
3: today. He is returning. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. We're dismissing our children at this time. And you notice the beautiful cloud of witnesses over here on this side upstairs. And uh, if you have a child that wants to join them, they can go out this back door over this way and up the stairs. And they can join them this morning. Thank you.
2: All the redeemed of the Lord said, "What? Amen, Amen! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord!" Uh, this morning we want to partake of the Lord's Supper. This morning, and uh, so uh, let me just ask a couple of housekeeping things. If you did not receive the elements, and if you'll lift your hand, we can get those to you. We have some folks I think would be glad have some folks uh, on on both sides, guys. If we can get, some, we will bring those to you. We'll bring those to you. I think they're in the back. Here's an extra. Let me give you that one. And then, yes, and we have Beth's coming around. We have folks coming around. If you just keep your hand up, if you will. We tried to get everybody served, but I know sometimes that doesn't happen. And so just keep your hand up, and we'll serve you for those. Thank you for those serving. Also, let me make another <laughs> announcement. Um, some of these are a little cloudy-looking. And um, and so if, if you're not sure, I think maybe they might have, I'm guessing, maybe sat in a warehouse too long somewhere. I'm not sure. So if you have one that looks cloudy, um, that's not a Kentucky special brew. Uh, that's not supposed to be that. Um, uh, so anyway, just but you can raise your hand, and we'll swap that out for you. And so again, um, I'm serious. There are some that are really cloudy looking. I it's these two are not. The one I had earlier was... Um, so, but anyway, just um, <laughs> I was afraid to even say something, knowing <laughs> no, Billy, not that you said that that what I might say, like my special brew thing, that uh, yeah, we, uh, we want to keep this for a minute. Okay, thank you, thank you. And for those of you watching by, by way of um, uh, online today, i 'm sorry for the fiasco, but you 're welcome to join us. If you have some bread and juice, and you can join us in our time of the Lord's Supper this morning. So anyway, we try to, we try to get everyone served, but I know sometimes that it just doesn't work. So again, we want to take time to do that. Okay. Chad, I think we have some right here in the middle. Brother, I'm sorry. Thank you. I again mean, if you have one that's a little dowdy you can yeah you, know, you can swap that out. We'll try to check those next time It's good to see everybody this morning Glad you're here we uh, uh let me say today we've kind of switching things up a little bit normally we we, and I know we're having, this is a little different than what we used to do in the past, but COVID has kind of uh, changed things in that regard, and so we've continued to do that, of just having the elements in one container, and and uh, we've actually switched containers, and uh, trying to make this a reverent time as well. Um, we, we understand that when Jesus and his disciples did this, they did not have these containers. Um, and... Uh, If they did, they didn't have to take time to open them and that sort of thing. No, I'm kidding. They would have celebrated the Lord's Supper, of course. The first uh, Lord's Supper was celebrated at the time of the Passover, right? And Jesus said, you know, I'm really excited to share the Passover with you. And so it was the night before Jesus was betrayed that Jesus instituted what we're doing today called the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is one of two ordinances of our church, the other being that of baptism, okay, baptism, and the Lord's Supper, and the Lord's Supper, we partake of this uh, bread, and, which is probably more of a cracker, this juice, uh, unfermented, uh, and uh, because it was unleavened, it would have been unleavened at that time, and, and so at least I think that's what it would have been, uh, but we are unleavened, um, in the point that it's, it's just symbolic. Some teach that this actually becomes the body and blood of the Lord. No, we don't believe that. We believe it's just symbolic. That the bread is symbolic of the blood, or, or the body of Christ that was crucified for us. The juice is symbolic of the blood of Jesus that was shed, was shed for us. And so, anyway, if everyone has been served at this time, let's. Um, uh, let 's look i 'd like to read i don 't have this on screen. I apologize, but just if you want to look in in your Bible or just to listen this morning from the book of isaiah isaiah chapter fifty three one of my favorite passages from the old testament and i won 't read all of the all of the chapter, but i 'll read a portion of this fifty third chapter speaking of Christ some eight hundred years before his physical birth, but the great I am has always existed, hasn't he? Here's what the prophet said, verse 4, speaking of Jesus. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living stricken for the transgression of my people and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth and let me skip down to verse 12 says therefore I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors yet he bore the sin of many and made and makes intercession for the transgressors. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, as transgressors, we are thankful for the grace that you have shown us in Christ Jesus, your Son. We are thankful, Father, for the blood that cleanses us from all sin. And Father, we know that we are commanded to remember this day. We know the Lord Jesus commanded us to remember this day. The day that, that Father, you were willing to give your only Son, Jesus, for us to be saved. To die in our place for our sins. Though he was sinless, though he was perfect, he took the punishment, the pain, the death, that we deserve. Father, we thank you for that sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, knowing that three days later that he arose again. We thank you, Lord, today for the living Lord, the Lord Jesus himself who makes intercession for us. And Lord, today we praise your name. Fathers, we partake of this bread, as we partake of this cup. Father, may we be mindful of what you've done for us. Father, it's not of our works not of something we've done that we're saved. It's all because of you and the work of the cross. And we praise you today. In Jesus we ask these things. Amen. If you have your elements there, we'll take of the bread first of all. So I'll let you open that if you haven't already. Reading here from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. So with the bread. So, well, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. you'll take the cup. Scripture says, In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray again, shall we? Father, again, as as we come before you, we are thankful, Lord, for the sacrifice that was made. We're thankful for the blood of Jesus. Father, we're thankful for your people. And we're able to join together this morning just to worship you, to praise your name, to celebrate together. Lord, the great sacrifice to celebrate together our salvation that was made possible only by the blood of Christ. Father, we praise you today. We thank you, Lord, today for this time. Now, Lord, would you bless your word today as we look to your word, speak to our hearts. In Jesus, we ask it. And all God's people said, Amen amen and you may uh, if you will turn in your bibles with me or look on screen today we're going to be looking to the book of of acts um, the book of acts we've been in acts for a while now and so we're going to continue today we're going to plan to finish up probably be in October uh, planning to finish the book of acts the lord willing we have a, a special Sunday or two in there that we may veer off but we're in acts 22 the very end of acts 22 Verse 30, and we're looking primarily uh, at the first 11 verses of chapter 23. And uh, we're looking today at the Apostle Paul. And uh, again, he's been taken uh, captive. If you remember back uh, last week, we talked about Paul was, uh, of course, arrested. Right, he was, uh, some spotted him in the temple. Uh, the Holy Spirit had warned him, hey, when you get to Jerusalem, you know, it's, it's not going well. You know, imprisonments, you know, afflictions await you. And, and, but he felt and since that's where God wanted him to go. He was constrained by the Spirit. Remember he said, so even though I know this awaits, constrained by the Spirit. And so he went and, and sure enough, he was arrested. He was spotted, hey, here's the guy we've been telling you about. Here's the man we've been telling you about. You know, that's causing all this uproar. And, of course, the, the, the Jewish folks there in the temple tried to, they were going to kill him. They were beating on him, going to kill him. And, and the Romans rescued him, if you will. And so he makes a defense. We looked at that last week, right? And he spoke in the Hebrew language, the Aramaic, perhaps. He spoke to them, hey, you know, brothers and fathers. And he, he began to speak to them. And everything was going well until he mentioned the Gentiles. And when he mentioned the Gentiles, again, this was a very Jewish crowd. Away with him! <laughs> he doesn't deserve to live. And so again, uh, and so now we've taken up, this is what is called normally his second defense, okay? Uh, in which the commander, Claudius Lysias, has gathered the Sanhedrin. This would have been the religious leaders, 70, 71, I guess 71, counting high priest And the religious leaders, and they've gathered together. And so Paul is once again going to make... A defense before them. And, and I just entitled it today, The Lord Stood by Him. The Lord stood by Him. And let's stand together. I just want to read one verse for you. One verse now, and we'll look at the, uh, a good part of this in just a moment. But in verse 11, chapter 23 and verse 11, here's what... And, and this had to be an, uh, just a discouraging time for Paul. You know, we think about Paul being superhuman. He was, and he was human. He was human. It's like we are. And no doubt he was discouraged. And the following night, verse 11, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Take courage. I mean, you may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you. One of my favorite gospel songs Man, if I could sing like Randy Rainey, I'd sing it to you, but I can't. So I'm, I'll, let me just read the words to you. It's called uh, "Through the Fire." Uh, the the Crab family. I don't know if you're familiar with the Crab family. Thank you, Angie. Uh, good old. Thank you, Jennifer. Good old Kentucky folks there. Uh, Jason Crab. I don't know how many how, how many years ago this has been out a long time, but man. I love this song. Every time I hear this song, sometimes I'll just play it sitting in the office and I'm fired up and ready to storm hell with a water pistol. I mean, this is, this is just a song that will get you going. Hear the words. Listen, it says, he, speaking of Jesus, he never promised that the cross would not get heavy and the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered our victories without fighting, but he said help would always come in time. Just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and the adversary says give in. Just hold on. Our Lord will show up and he will bring you through the fire again. Wait, isn't that good? Listen, just hold on. Because our Lord will show up and he'll bring you through the fire again. Spurgeon said this he said you know anytime God puts his children in the furnace he gets in the furnace with them <laughs> and no doubt he was thinking about Shadrach Meshach and Abednego when he said that but but you know anytime God puts his children in the furnace he's he's right there in the furnace with them and I think about Paul because he's in the furnace man he's in the now not literally but he's in a he's in a bad place. <laughs> he's in a bad place right here, in that uh, you know he's been arrested. He's been they tried to kill him twice. Listen, I mean they they are just out for him, and they're not stopping yet. There's still another time coming, at least one one more time. And he's just in this difficult, dark time of his life. But I love verse 11, where it says, "The Lord stood with him." You just hold on. <laughs> Because the Lord will show up and bring you through the fire again. And so he's in this place. And, and I don't know where you are today. But I'm going to guarantee you, if you're not there today, you will be someday. You're going to be in a bad place, bad time, hard, hard week, hard month, tough year, whatever it might be in life. And so many times in life, and all those things <clears throat> excuse me, that, that happen in, in our lives, and, and, and we wonder sometimes, Lord, where are you? Lord? What, Lord, what's going on? Lord, Lord, why? why? Why this? Why this? Why that? All those things that come out. Listen, here's some, there are things I don't know. There are things I can't explain. Here's what I do know, and that is that God loves us. He tells us that. He has demonstrated that by the sending of His Son, Jesus. And listen, and He'll stand with us no matter what comes. And we can take that to the bank today, and some of you may need to hear that today. I'm going to give you four, four words, four key words today uh, as we look through this Passage We'll talk about conscience. Paul talks about having a good conscience, and we'll talk just a moment about that and this confrontation that he's going to have, the conflict that arises, but then the comfort or consolation is another word that we could use there at the end. So four C words, I'll, I'll move quickly, but look in verse, verse 30 of chapter 22. If you have your Bible, let's go back and, and take just a moment, it says, but on the next day, so Paul has already, uh, you know, he had this episode last week we looked at, and, and then they're getting ready to stretch him out and whip him, and he says, you know, do you whip a Roman citizen? Well, no, no, no. And they found out he's a Roman citizen. So the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews. See, even the commander knew. Because Paul had been arrested because they said he brought a, a Gentile into the temple. Well, that's not what they're really arguing about. And we'll look at that in just a minute. And so he's trying to figure out what's going on. Why do these guys hate this guy so much? What has he done? He unbound him, Paul, unbound Paul and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet, and he brought Paul down to set, and set him before them. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 23. Of course, we didn't have the chapter break, so it's kind of unusual to see that here. It says, And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And so it says, that he's looking, and it says that Paul was looking at the council. Again, this was the Sanhedrin, which was made up of the Pharisees, the, the conservative side, the, the more moderate to liberal side, the Sadducees, and, and this ruling council, and he's looking at them intently. That word, it, it's the same word, it's actually just one word in the original. It's the same word. Do you remember when Jesus was, was going back into heaven, and the disciples were there, remember back in chapter 1, and they were looking, and they were looking, and they, it's the same word. So Paul's looking at him. It's always good to face your accusers, right, face to face. But I think there's more than that. I'm wondering, and we don't really don't know why, but I'm wondering: is he thinking, is there somebody here I know? Remember what Paul did. Remember his former life, right, as a Judaizer, as a as a as a training to be a rabbi, probably no doubt. But anyway, so I'm wondering, is he looking for somebody, someone that he knows? But he's looking at him, and he says, Brothers, you know, I've lived in good conscience up to this day. I've lived in good conscience. Can you say that today? He said, Whoa, wait a minute. I imagine I've got this stuff in my past. Listen, Paul did too. He said, Wait a minute, Paul. How can you say I've lived in good conscience, right? And you used to persecute Christians. How can you say that? Well, Jesus had forgiven him of that. Amen. Listen, anybody have a past? Anybody know Jesus? Amen? You say, listen, you don't know what I did. Listen, you don't know my Jesus sin, because I'm going to tell you, my Jesus can forgive any sin. And so have you come to him? Have you repented of your sin? Listen, your sins are gone as far as the east is from the west. Amen? Somebody said the Lord takes our sins away as far as the east is from the west, buries them in the deepest part of the ocean, and puts up a no fishing sign. <laughs> Because listen, you go fishing for him, amen? Old devil go fishing for him. Family members go fishing for him for you, right? You hey, remember when? And all, but he said, I've lived in good conscience up to this day. And really what he's meaning, yes, he had done things he shouldn't. Yes, he had sinned. Yes, he's not perfect. But he's saying there's nothing outstanding in my life right now. As I stand before God, I've tried to be faithful to God. Even those things I did in the past, Paul would say, I did in ignorance, he called himself a chief of sinners, but I didn't need ignorance. I didn't know until I met Jesus that day, right? But the point is today, is there anything in your life today that, that the Lord's put his finger on that we need to confess? Amen? A good conscience. You know, we talk about every, everybody has a conscience, right? Everybody, I mean, before you saved, you have a conscience, it's a moral compass, right? It's a moral compass. But, you know, before you're saved, listen, you know, our conscience, we can, we can sear. S-E-A-R. We can sear our conscience. We can, we can do something wrong, but we can convince ourselves so much that it's right that sometimes we can start to believe it. But here's something else. Listen, if you're saved today, the Holy Spirit of God will never lie to you and you cannot hoodwink Him. And anytime we sin, the Holy Spirit convicts us, Right? And you know something else? We have the word of God to go to, right? Listen, and so if you ever wonder, listen, the whole, listen, there's no doubt when we're not in fellowship with God. I'm talking about me. There's no doubt because the Holy Spirit of God convicts me of sin. I might have convinced myself it's okay, but the Spirit says, no, no, that's not right. R.C. Sproul said this. He said, you know what? We don't always live what we profess, but we will always live what we believe. catch that? We will not always maybe live what we profess to believe, but we'll really believe, we'll live what we really believe. Right? Yeah. What we really believe is how we live. That's Monday through Saturday. Monday through Saturday, and of how we live before God. So in good conscience today. I just would say that even even here this morning. Listen, there's, there's something out of alignment. You ever got in your car and your truck sometimes, and, and you're driving, and man, he wants to go this way. He <laughs> wants to go this way. You know, out of alignment. Listen, if there's something outstanding in your life today, the Holy Spirit of God, he's going to bring it to you. And you're not going to be in alignment, and you're not comfortable right now. And I've been there too until we get right with the Lord. Amen? Amen. So so we see then first of all conscience here's the second here's a second word and instead of confrontation so when Paul said I've lived in good I've lived in good conscience up to this moment it didn't go well uh, from this point on verse 2 and the high priest Ananias this is not the same Ananias of the last chapter or from chapter 9 that laid his hands on Paul said brother Paul receive your sight no this is not this is Ananias the high priest this guy was not a good guy he was he said wait a minute, he's a high priest well it was really more about politics and power, and he was not a good guy. History has him as a very greedy, a very a violent person. So anyway, and, and the high priest, verse 2, Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike Paul on the mouth. And Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Remember how we were reading a while ago about Jesus when he, like a sheep before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. Paul opens his mouth. He gets smacked and he does what, what some of us would want to do. He bows up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, I, mean it just, he, he, I think we, we, well, I know we do. We see the humanness of Paul. Uh, and so, so he gets, he gets smacked and, and, you know, and, 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 and the first thing out of his mouth is, you know, cause he said, wait a minute. He calls the guy, he calls him a whitewashed wall. And, and basically, you've broken your own law. Because you're not supposed to condemn somebody before you hear them out, right? Before you judge them. And so basically, he hasn't, he hasn't, you know, he's innocent until proven guilty, so, like, like here in, in, in America. And, and so the point is, you've already judged me but he calls him a whitewashed wall. Well, what does he mean by that? Certainly, Ezekiel speaks to that. But you know, basically, it's this. You know, back home, let me put this. Back home, sometimes they take an old barn, dilapidated, almost broken down. <laughs> dilapidated. <laughs> That's hard, hard to say on the, on the fly. Dilapidated, almost broken down. Oh, rotten! And they put a fresh coat of paint on it. You ever seen that? I remember driving up I-75. was a great barn, and it wasn't broken down. It wasn't that other word. But anyway, but anyway, but they put a nice fresh coat of black paint on it. Put a put a, a big ad, I think, on the on the roof of, the, of something. And look at, uh, I forgot what it was. Anyway, so anyway but the point is. The point is a whitewashed wall would be something that the wall was unsturdy, the wall was not secure, the wall would not hold, it was rotten in the inside, but he put a fresh coat of paint, whitewashed on the outside, here it is, you'll understand it, you already do. You look good on the outside, but inside you are rotten to the core. That's what he's saying. And he was right. Ananias was. That's who he was. He might have had on his long flowing robes, but inside he didn't know the Lord. Inside there was no life in him. And I'm going to tell you church, sometimes people could come in here, you could come in here, we could come in here, and we could sing all the songs, say all the amens and hallelujahs, and our hearts be far from God. We can look good on the outside. So this was the confrontation. Um, But notice what happens. So he said, you would strike me? You're breaking your own law? Hypocrite, would that be the word? Sure, sure, and it would have fit, right? But look at verse 4. Those who stood by said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now, I want you to hear that. Now, Paul does something. I think, like I said, I think it's pretty evident. He kind of, you know, he's off to a bad start already. I mean, you know, he makes a statement. One statement, brothers, I've lived in good conscience to this day. He gets smacked for it. And then, hey, who are you, you whitewashed wall hypocrite? Tell him, judging me like this. <sighs> Didn't you know that's a high priest? Do you, do you revile the high priest? And notice what he does. He immediately brings himself under the word. He said, brothers, I didn't know. And I know you're well, how in the world didn't he know who the high priest was? He used to work for this guy. Well, I don't know that it was this guy. This guy's been in, uh, I don't think it was, if I remember history correctly. You check that. But but Ananias had been in power maybe 10 years at this point, I believe. I remember reading right. So, but no doubt he would have seen him. He would have known who the high priest is. So he says, I, I didn't know he was a high priest. So so it's led it's led scholars to all these different things. It really doesn't matter. Maybe Paul couldn't see good. We've talked about his eyesight. Maybe the guy was in the back of the room, they said, and it was poorly lit, and he couldn't see who it was. You know, maybe he was speaking sarcastically, someone said. It doesn't really matter, but the point is he acknowledges, I think. He doesn't say I was wrong, but I think he acknowledges that and he puts himself under the word. Here's the lesson for us. There are times we say things or do things. We act in a way we shouldn't. We speak in a way that we shouldn't. What do we do? Repent. We put ourselves under the word. That's what he does. He's the brother, I didn't know because the word says, right? Or the law says not to speak evil of a ruler of your people. That's the word, isn't it? Now let me say something a little more practical. I don't know about you, and I'm, and I'm just going talk to talk to me. Can I do that for just a moment? Sometimes I watch too much news in our home. Sometimes a joke is, I'll say to Anita Joe, hey, you want to turn the news on and get mad? And usually that's what happens. I'm like, what the world, you know, what are they thinking? But here's where the conviction came in over this verse this week. The Bible tells us to pray for those in authority, kings and rulers. And I'm just talking to me, but it might spill over to you, you can be the judge. Maybe we need to pray more for our leaders and complain less. I didn't expect too many amens. I did get more than I did the first service, so thank you for that. <laughs> but the bottom line is we're commanded to pray. And and, and, and I know some of you are thinking, well, this is a religious ruler. This guy was lost as a goose. So that doesn't fly. And so the Bible... Te- see, see, the thing is, sometimes we want to fit the Bible, and I'm guilty of this, probably not you. I want to fit the Bible where it's convenient and I like it. Anybody else? Amen. If I ever go to Golden Corral? Do they still have those things open? Is there a Golden Corral close? Gadsden. In Gadsden, is it? I don't know, Cracker Barrel, so. Cracker Barrel well, that's good too. But. <laughs> Sorry, I got you hungry now. Let me, I'm about finished. <laughs> uh, anyway, but if you go to Golden Corral, you know, you can pick and choose what you want. If you want to spend your whole time at the chocolate bar, I mean, you can do that, right? <laughs> Thank you. That poses another problem, thank you if' we yeah, 're always trying to go with this let 's time out from that just a minute guys. Thank you for that but, but the point being the point being sometimes we want to take god 's word and we just want to pick this and we want to pick this i don 't like that i, don't, I really don 't like that, but the bottom line is either we believe it or we don 't or we 're going to live according to all of it, or just forget it and we 're not perfect, and we 're made perfect in Christ in christ alone, right because of his blood. None of us are going to make it on our own. And, our, and the only way that we'll be perfect one day when we get to heaven, our righteousness is not our own. That's what I'm trying to say. Our righteousness is that of the righteousness of Christ. But, so let me move on. We're, we're almost out of time. Let me move on give you the third C word. So we see then this confrontation that takes place. Then we see the, what I call the conflict, verse 6. Now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I'm a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisee party stood up and contended sharply, We find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. Now, some have, 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 have um, I guess, uh, accused Paul of playing favorites here or said that he shouldn't have said what he did because he's a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. Um, in the sense of the two religious parties. And and so he realizes that there's the, the Sadducees, they would have been the ruling council, but in the minority, and the Pharisees would have been the, the larger group. And so so he, being in that, said, I'm a Pharisee, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And, and this great dissension, this is a church conference gone the wrong way. <laughs> and this big argument breaks out. Now, I don't think it was bad that he did that. I think he's... If you or I had been in that situation, Paul's fighting for his life. And, 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 and he's making a statement. And, but, but he says, You know, I'm a Pharisee. And this great dissension breaks out. You remember, notice the words it uses clamor, dissension, all of these things that, that happen. But notice verse 6. Here's what I want you to see, and we're going to move on quickly. But the whole issue was about the resurrection. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial. See, Paul knew it really wasn't about him being accused of bringing Trophimus into the, into the, into the uh, temple. It really wasn't about that. It was really about that this Saul of Tarshish... Has, has suddenly done, he's done a 180, he's changed to where now he is proclaiming that this Jesus of Nazareth really is Messiah, and I met him, or he met me, we were on a collision course, and I believe he's Messiah, he was killed on the cross, but he arose again. That's the whole issue. The resurrection of Christ divides people. There are some people who think you're crazy. Students, adults, some people think you're crazy. Believing this Jesus stuff? thought you were smarter than that. That's what they would say. Someone actually said that to someone I know. I thought you were more intelligent. They didn't use the word more intelligent. Yeah, I thought you knew better. I'm just telling you, it divides people. But I'm going to tell you something. Listen, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. You said it in my preaching long enough, you know that to be true. It's okay, but I know something. I know, listen, I met Jesus uh, back when I was nine years old. I forgot the year, maybe 73, whatever it was. Listen, I met Jesus and I haven't been perfect and I've failed him a lot, but he has never failed me and my life is completely changed because of Jesus. And if you're a believer in Christ, listen, that's you too. If you know Jesus today, you have that personal experience with him and the issue... It's about that Jesus Christ really does live. Amen. Amen. Listen, when I die, and I don't know how long that'll be. I've outlived daddy. I'm 57. And, uh, but you know, I don't know how long that's going to be. But listen, when I die, listen, don't you say, poor Eddie. No, listen, I'm going to be better than I've ever been. I mean, man, I'm going to be walking on streets of gold. Listen, I'm going to be offering up some hallelujahs. I think we need to get ready before we go. Amen. <laughs> give you one more word here. We're out, we're out of time. Here it is. Listen, the last word is comfort. And I mentioned that, verse 11. So the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. You know, Paul had to be at a, at a rough point in his life. And, I mean, think about it. they tried to kill him several times, right? And, uh, and here it is. Uh, he's at a low point, and I love it, it says there, the Lord stood by him. I mean, did, was it a vision? Did you see that, was it a, just a manifestation that the Lord took, you know, a presence? And st- we're not told, but it said the Lord stood by him. It makes me think the Lord was, I know he was there spiritually, but I believe the Lord did something that he saw him in. And notice, the, it's one word in the original language, he said, take courage, take courage. That's used several times in scripture. You remember when they let the, the, the man that was paralyzed through the roof down before Jesus? Remember that? You, you know, the first thing Jesus said to him, take courage. Son, your sins are forgiven. You remember when the, the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years and, and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment? You know, who touched me? Who touched me? And what did he, when she finally came forward, you know what he said? Same word. Take heart. Take courage. Your faith has made you well. You remember when Jesus was walking on the Sea of Galilee and His disciples were scared and they said, Ah, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. And He said, What? Take courage. It's me. It is I. Right? It is I. On the night before Jesus was crucified, His disciples were heavy of heart. And you know what He said? Same word. Take courage. I have overcome the world. Maybe today you need to hear the Lord say to your heart, Take courage. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I've got you. I've got you. And he does. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, may we hear your voice. Father, in this, in this moment, may we hear those words to us to take courage, to take heart. Lord, you've overcome the world. To take heart. May we need to hear today that our sins are forgiven because we trusted you. And maybe we're trying to beat ourselves up Lord, maybe today we need to hear those words. Take courage. Do not be afraid. Maybe we're fearful about a lot of things. Whatever it might be this morning, Lord. Lord, may we hear your words. To take heart. To take comfort. To be encouraged. Because Lord, you promised you're not going to leave us. And you're not going to forsake us. Lord, thank you for that. And Lord, right here in this this room today, Lord, I don't know all that's going on in hearts, and I don't know all that's needed. Lord, but your Spirit does, and I pray you would meet those needs. Lord, I know you're able to do that immeasurably more than anything we can even think, ask, or imagine. Thank you for that. And Lord, right now, I pray if there's one here that doesn't know Jesus in a personal way, Lord, that You would just speak to that heart and show them their need, that they're lost and they need to be born again. And give them that boldness, Lord, just to step out and come. Lord, for that one that may just need to, Lord, just take a step closer to You. And we all need that, Father. I know I need that. Help us to do that. So, Lord, this morning, I pray as You move upon our hearts that we would just listen. Father, may we just need to find our way to this altar and pour out our hearts to You. Maybe we're afraid. Whatever it might be, Lord, would You see that done. Thank You, Father, for loving us. Thank You for being with us and Your promises. You know, all Your promises are true. In Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Let's stand as we have a time of commitment this morning. As we stand to our feet. God deals with your heart. Today certainly our altar is open if you want to come and pray. You have the freedom to do that. I would say I never take for granted that everybody in this room is saved. I hope you are. But if you're not today and listen, God's dealing with your heart as He will. Listen, would you come to Jesus? Oh, listen today. Would you give your heart to Jesus today? Would you confess your sins and call upon Him? He'll save you. And, and you say, well, I really don't know how to do that. Listen, you come find me right here. Brother Gary and I are right here at the front. Be glad to talk to you. You can be saved here today. Saved here today. As we sing, You Come. Come.
1: This
3: you God. He's returning. Amen. <laughs> what a great day. Praise you Jesus.
1: So I come to tell you he's alive. <laughs> to tell you that he cries every tear that falls. So I come to tell you that he's saved. Shouting to proclaim that He's coming back for you. This life, this price, this blood, this one. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise
5: you, Jesus praise you, Lord.
2: Thank you, to Thank you, God. I have you be seated for just a moment. Thank you, Jesus. And Brother Gary's going to come you, share Jesus. with us a few things. Thank continue member remember uh, Lance and JC and little Alice Scott and Emma Joy, and uh, they're doing great, uh, but just uh, certainly continue to keep them in prayer. Brother Gary.
6: Hey, good morning to you. We're glad that you came today, and if, first, if uh, today is your first time, we'd like to to give you one of our gift bags as a way of thanking you. And if today is your first time, when we dismiss, if you'll make your way to the table that is to your left, we'll take care of you. Next Sunday, between the two services from 10 to 10.30, uh, we'll have our church conference. We have books of reports that are in the lobby, and you can pick one up. Now today, we need you to do something, and we'll be emphasizing this every Sunday in September, on October 2, uh, we have a catered all-church lunch. It's free, and uh, we're going to have a great time of fellowship, and we need you to sign up so we'll know how many to plan for, and so sign-ups are on that table, on the two tables in the hall, and also in the lobby do that for us and then uh, remind you too that uh, this wednesday at six eddie and i begin the uh, study in the book of revelation at the community center ask you please when we dismiss if you'll stack the chairs eight high please stack similar chairs and uh, because we we have some of our regulars out if about eight of you would grab a cart and help us get the chairs in place, well, we can probably have that done in less than six minutes. So thank you for doing it for us. Let me offer a prayer. Uh, God, we thank you for your great love today, and we do thank you for what you did for us when you died on the cross. For everyone who has come today, you know the burdens that we brought into this place, and so we ask you to minister to us in your name. Amen.
2: Hey, thank you for worshiping with us today here at First Baptist Church. Listen, if we could be of service to you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. Uh, You can call our church office Monday through Friday. You can send us an email, a Facebook message. We would love to hear from you. Uh, So until next time, uh, let's keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith.